Well, first of all, we'd like to welcome everyone, the students, the ambassadors, members of the public to this fantastic event. We're very excited about this event. As you can see, Latin America is very important in our agenda. I'm not saying that because I'm Latin American, but it has to do a little bit with that, of course. But I'm delighted to welcome you all to the LSE for this event hosted by the LSE Global South Unit, which is based in the IR department, in collaboration with the LSE Latin American Student Society. So we are delighted for that. My name is Dr. Alvaro Mendez. Some of you know me. I'm the co-founder of the Global South Unit. I'm a senior research fellow at the LC and a senior lecturer in IR at Regents University London. As a Latin American, I'm very pleased to be here to welcome the Vice President and Minister of Foreign Affairs of Panama, Isabel de Saint Malo de Alvarado, to the LSE today. Vice President Isabel de Saint Malo de Alvarado has over 20 years of experience in consulting, development, and implementation of public policies in Latin America. Following her election as Vice President and her appointment as Foreign Minister, she became the first woman to hold both positions in the history of her country. She was the alternate ambassador from Panama to the United Nations in New York for 15 years and worked with the United Nations Development Program as country manager of Panama, which is very dear to us at UNDP. So we're very happy to see that. Vice President de Melo de Alvarado will discuss Panama's role as a strategic gateway to the Americas. Her talk will focus primarily on Panama's transformation into a world-class services economy and the new responsibilities derived from this evolution as her country asserts its place in tackling international corruption and financial criminality, mitigating the effects of climate change, and channeling foreign aid and humanitarian assistance. For those of you who are Twitter users like me, and you are in the audience, the hashtag for today's event is hashtag LSE Panama. If you see me with my phone, I'm not texting, I'm, I'm, I'm simply <laughs> tweeting. Please put your phones on silent to prevent disrupting the event, and, and just a reminder that this event is being recorded and will hopefully be made available as a podcast subject to no technical difficulties. As usual, the lecture will, there will be a chance after the lecture for you to put your questions to the Vice President. But for now, please join me in welcoming Isabel Design Malo de Alvarado to the LSE to deliver her lecture entitled Panama, Consolidating Democracy, Growth, and Human Development. Welcome, Madam Vice President. Thank you very much for that wonderful presentation, Dr. Craig. Calhoun, Director and President of LSE, Dr. Alvaro Mendez from the Global South Unit, Your Excellencies, members of the diplomatic course here in London, LSE faculty, students, distinguished guests. It wasn't, I didn't have the pleasure and the honor of being a student at this LSE, but I'm truly honored to have the opportunity to speak to you today and try to um, hopefully have you know a little bit more about Panama once you leave this this room, and um, I would love to take questions after the message. Historically, there's been a tradition of Panamanians undertaking studies at the United Kingdom, and particularly at the London School of Economics. I would like to start my message by referring and highlighting a Panamanian, Armodio Arias Madrid, who over 100 years ago was one of the outstanding students at LSE. He actually became president of Panama in 1932. As a gifted young man, Armodio Arias made a choice in 1909, which resulted from his conviction that law and justice were pillars on which modern and democratic nations should rest. He decided to pursue a doctoral degree at LSE, and in his own words, his objective was to ascertain the legal position of the Panama Canal 
so that this work of civilization placed under the rule of law and justice may be as productive to mankind as possible. And it's an honor for me to have be here today at a moment when Panamanians are about to inaugurate our expanded canal and continue to make it of service to the world. More than 100 years later, and about to once again inaugurate this expanded canal, the government of which I'm a part of, led by President Varela, are convinced on the importance of democracy, of liberties, of freedom, and of transparency. And that is a core of our government plan, a core of how we're running business in Panama and what Panama is today. Let me tell you a little bit about our economy and in and, and, and Panama in general as a country. We're a very small country, about the size of Ireland, 75,000 square kilometers, almost 4 million people. We have a GDP of 42 million, billion and a GDP per capita of 11,000. Last year, Panama grew at 6.3%. We've had a steady growth for the past years, and if we take into consideration the past 15 years, we've grown at a percentage of 8%. Even during the recent crisis, where many of the economies in Latin America, Panama managed to grow 4.5%. This is during 2008 and 2009. According to the International Monetary Fund, Panama, in about 12 years, will be the ninth economy in Latin America. Now, this is something, quite something for such a small country. Foreign direct investment in Panama, it's interesting to say that the UK is the third largest investor in Panama, only next to the United States and Colombia. We are referred to by some as a success story. And let me tell you uh, somewhat why is that. Once again, as I mentioned, the, the growth. But why is this so? How is our economy broken? What makes us this um, different country where, where we are and what makes us open to the world and, and attract uh, companies and, and people and, and, and presence in Panama? International trade and financial liberalization have forever been a part of our economy. I like to say that Panama was a global economy before globalization was in fashion. We've, we've been a country pretty much without social unrest. And economic diversification has been pan, part of our economy and one of our key strengths forever. No sector of the economy represents more than 30% of GDP. We also have a very well-managed inflation of below 1.5%. Fiscal policy is at the core of our objective. Financial discipline and public expenditure organization are central to our government and also central to one of our main objectives right now, which is to achieve social investments in a more prudent manner. Our administration is committed to adopting the necessary legal frameworks to ensure that our financial sector, which is about 30% of our economy, remains the most secure and transparent financial system in the region. And I would like to emphasize this because we have recently passed new money laundering, anti-money laundering legislation, new legislation to ensure that uh, uh, crime uh, is prevented. And we have actually been um, recognized by the FATF as 
having taken these measures and all other changes that have made our financial center more transparent, more committed, stronger, and once again, not only being said by us, but by the FATF. What are our perspectives and opportunities? And let me also refer to the World Economic Forum that has established that there are five key performance indicators where Panama is a leader in Latin America, and these are port infrastructure, availability of financial services and strength of banks, foreign direct investment, technology transfer, and quality of investment climate. There are over 100 multinational companies established in Panama, uh, over 50 UK companies established in Panama, and this is the result of the economic framework that I have described to you, the, the result of a country that is serious about business, that attracts foreign direct investments, that respects uh, the rule of law. And in the future, with a growing, continually growing middle class, with an increased demand in energy, opportunities will just continue to develop in Panama. Our geostrategic importance, our geographical location has been at the heart of what we have developed, at the heart of our logistical uh, system. And um, let me refer also a little bit to this because this is central to what Panama is, our connectivity to the rest of the world in terms of maritime uh, opportunities, our air connectivity to the rest of the world having the most important hub, air hub in Latin America. Uh, ranks us very high in terms of logistics. According to the World Bank, Panama ranked 45th in the world in 2014 in logistics performance, only second to Chile in Latin America. And once again, just as a response of having ever since we were born as a republic really maximize our geographical position as a country in service to the world, connecting people, connecting countries, our expansion of the canal, a project of over $5,000 million, let me say if we put those dollars in, in terms of the original canal, we're, we're building a second canal. That's what we're doing in terms of investment. And we're doing it on our own with Panamanian uh, investment uh, in our capacity to seek foreign investment. This will triple the capacity of the canal. The port system uh, will dramatically increase its capacity as a result of the expanded Panama Canal. And I'm proud to say that this year, around the middle of the year, we will inaugurate the expanded canal. And we will also inaugurate uh, an additional terminal to the airport that will make our hub even more um, competitive. But let me talk to you a little bit about governance and what, what, is, what is a framework that makes this possible for, for Panama. Our ability to overcome the legacy of the authoritarian regime that, that ruled Panama until 89, uh, I think has been central to the possibilities of strengthening our country, strengthening our framework, pushing the economy, and making, making the enabling environment for what, for what we have today. We are a country that have traditionally been um, have had a, a vision of solving our problems through dialogue, through consensus. We have ad adopted this formula to talk about the core problems of Panama 
not by confrontation, not by unrest, accepting that differences are, are valid as long as we can solve those differences sitting around the same table. And this is the way we approach uh, when we receive the Panama Canal, the legal framework that Panama established to receive the Panama Canal. And now, having had the canal under our administration for some years, it may look obvious how we were going to do it, but it wasn't so obvious when we were about to receive it. And how the country sat together with the participation of the private sector, of the labor sector, of all political parties, of the government to agree upon the legal framework to receive the canal was critical to ensuring that it was managed the way it has been managed. And this approach to our problems as a country, um, which is also a part of what we try to project in terms of the foreign affairs, has been central to our governance institutions, to our strengthening of democracy, to our solving of our um, issues. This is also part of what we're trying to project as part of our agenda in terms of uh, foreign policy. Trying to play this role that we think works for us within Panama through dialogue, through consensus, is also what we're trying to do in terms of our foreign policy. If we look at our foreign policy, I, it's based on two ba basic pillars, one of them uh, being a country that promotes dialogue, that promotes um, understanding. And this is th something the government of President Varela takes very seriously inside Panama and outside of Panama, but this is not new to Panamanian foreign policy. So it's also been a part of the role we have played throughout the years, ever since we've being a republic, and this was, um, I think, put to practice somewhat when we were uh, fortunate enough to host the Seventh Summit of the Americas last year that took place in Panama, trying to play this role in taking the decision to invite for the first time at the summit the participation of Cuba. Uh, in trying to make it possible for the Americas to find where we could agree on, in spite of our differences, which are, which are valid, um, I think proved to work. And, and we truly believe that this is a way to approach development issues and the way to approach uh, differences amongst uh, nations and the way we approach our differences as a country. In terms of the global development agenda, which is also critical in terms of our foreign policy, and it's also critical in terms of our priorities within Panama, we, are, uh, we take it very seriously to be active uh, internally and externally in, regarding human rights. In this light, we were just chosen for the first time as members of the Human Rights Council in Geneva. Uh, it's a three-year term for the country. We launch a candidature to the Inter-American Commission on Human Rights, and for the first time, Panama has a member at the Inter-American Commission on Human Rights. The efforts of the global agenda in terms of development, overcoming poverty, overcoming inequality, um, working on, on, on issues of health, of education, uh, it's, it's something that we take very seriously and, and is very uh, clear when you look at our government plan and our investment plan, and it's something that we're trying to promote in, as well in terms of our, 
of our foreign affairs agenda. And if we look at our investment plan, for example, of uh, $17,000 million for a five-year term, about 30% of that is devoted to water and sanitation. And that is the result of President Varela's commitment to ensure that during our government term, we achieve a more inclusive society in Panama. We ensure that all Panamanians can be part of the development and the economic opportunities that are taking place in Panama. We believe that our best and most important resources are people, so we are investing in education. We are very thankful that we have a partnership with the United Kingdom to, in a project that is critical to our government of training teachers. And I don't know if any of you have seen some, but we've had uh, an important number of Panamanian teachers being trained at the UK at different universities, as we have them with the United States and Canada. We have an important increase in consumption in energy as a result of the economic uh, um, framework that I have described to you and the economic growth that I have described to you, and there is also an important effort to invest in, in energy. So when you look at Panama, the economy, our institutions, our commitment to democracy, our commitment to rights, our commitment to development in general, what you see is a country as a whole committed to continue to make things right, committed to uh, playing a role and being uh, a promoter in terms of Panama and outside of Panama, and also a country that wants to do as much as we can to bring our, our neighbors with us in that effort, in that quest, in that objective. I would like to conclude, and I don't want to speak too much because I want to have an opportunity to listen to you, going back to Armodio Arias' presence in LSE that I referred to at the beginning, over 105 years ago, the research I mentioned he conducted, he concluded, through the Panama Canal, this country has a great task of uniting the Atlantic and the Pacific Oceans by a means of a canal. Today, more than just uniting two oceans, Panama, we we like to think represents a gateway to the Americas, a gateway for the rest of the world to the Americas. But a gateway not only in terms of economic possibilities and of connectiveness, maritime and air to the world, but in terms of transparency, of democracy, of the rule of law, of human development. We really see our country as one of service to the world, that is open to the world, and as we have a national say that goes, Panama, bridge of the world, heart of the universe, we are always happy to share our story and would like you to come to Panama and see it for yourself. We're a country open to the world, open to the people, and really willing and interested in making our contributions to, to the rest of the, of the world in terms of, of this that we have identified as the key pillars of our government and of our country. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, uh, Madam Vice President, for your lecture. 
Um, we will now open the floor to questions from the audience. If you can let us know your name and be brief. We, we don't have a, a, a great deal of time, so be brief. We will have a rowing microphone going around. One of the pleasures of being in the chair is I get to ask the first question. So um, here we go. Absolutely. I like your, your words uh, concluding your remarks about Panama being the bridge of the world. I'm, I'm going to take a flight very soon, which is the longest flight in existence at the moment, connecting Panama City with Dubai. Over 17 hours, approximately. So I, I think it would be a gateway for Asia as well, which I think is, is, is fantastic. You talk about the canal and the refurbishments as being a second canal. What is your view of the Nicaragua Canal or the prospects of the Nicaragua Canal? That would be the first question. And, and then we'll come back. I'm going to take two more questions, and then we go to answers. Please, your name, briefly. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm Heide Rida from Bain & Company. I always enjoyed a lot my uh, time in Panama and also your speech. Um, I had a very brief question. So you've uh, built your story of success on logistics um, and service uh, sector. Is the plan going forward to, deep, to go deeper into those sectors or also build on some other sectors? And how do you see your monetary policy and the peg to the dollar influencing your competitiveness? Thank you very much. Thank you very much. That's great. One more, and then we'll, we'll answer those questions and then come back to you. Please, here in the front. Hi, yeah, I'm just wondering, I just heard you talking about the, the work that you're doing with the teachers going to Canada, and especially the training programs that you're having, trying to develop people in Panama. I think one of the key issues that I'm really concerned about is how does the canal, the, the wealth of the canal trickles down to the poverty in Panama, to the people that really needs to develop, to be developed, to be able to provide the services globally. Um, as a country, we rank 48th among 70 countries in terms of English proficiency, and 26% of the population lives in below poverty level. So I want to know what programs have you have in mind okay. to improve that situation in Panama? Because if we don't invest in the youth and the people and the children, there's really nobody else there left to support the canal and their services. Thank you very much. We're going to close that for the time being, and Madam Vice President, please. Nobody talked about the Nicaraguan Canal, right? <laughs> no, that wasn't a question. That was a question. <laughs> well, let me, let me refer to, uh, to the few things that have been uh, mentioned. And I'm glad you mentioned the, the flight to Dubai because we will have as well a direct flight to Turkey within a couple of months and uh, a new flight to um, Germany. And I am very sad that we still don't have a direct flight to the to London. And I hope that we do one, to have one very the soon. Yeah, flying to Costa Rica, so many but, yeah. but that's not Panama. No, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> but it's opening up. It's opening up. Okay, okay. So um, the Nicaraguan Canal. Listen, um, world trade um, is growing. Um, really. We are not concerned in Panama of the possibility of, uh, of some competition if it happens, and uh, we don't see it happening uh, that stronger, but that the Nicaraguans will have to respond to that instead of, instead of me. But if it happens, uh, we are making sure we remain competitive, and we will continue to make sure that we remain competitive, and that's not something that we are uh, really too, too concerned about. Actually, we understand that... Um, we could build a, a third, fourth, fifth expansion at a, at a cost much, much lower than it would cost to build a canal in Nicaragua. So I'm not sure of the, of the 
competitiveness, but then again, that is not something to be, to be responded by, by Panama, but by uh, Nicaragua. Uh, the dollar, uh, we are, as I mentioned, a very open uh, economy. I think the fact that we have the dollar has for a long time been one of the advantages. I, I, we believe that it will continue to be. There are some, um, some things happening with the economy in, in, in the region, some important countries in the region that are being a little shaken up and that ha that's not touching Panama. Our uh, uh, economy is structured very particularly and very differently, and we are making sure that we have the, the we take the steps in order to ensure, and, I, and we truly believe that our country will, will continue to grow uh, rapidly for the following years. We have all of, all of the, of the um, necessary uh, requirements for it to be so. And in terms of other um, sectors, yes, logistics is very important, but it's far for, from being the only sector. As I mentioned, one of the strengths of Panamanian economy is how diversified our economy is, and uh, the, as I mentioned, the, the energy sector is growing very rapidly, and we are trying to diversify our, our uh, um, energy sector. And um, investment in different uh, areas are continue to, to begin in Panama, mining. Uh, so it's, it's really very, very diversified uh, in general. Um, the question you ask is actually at the core of my of my interest and really has my heart. How how do we make sure that this economic success story reaches every Panamanian? And I must be uh, transparent and say that we have we have challenges there. Yet Panama uh, is a is a country where inequality. Um, is, is important and, it, and it's part of our reality and we're working very hard to overcome that. The, 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 what you mentioned 26 percent, I'm not sure that's the last uh, figure, but I can tell you that it has dramatically dropped over the last years due to the efforts of uh, Panama to overcome that inequality, to overcome poverty. What we're doing, I doubt that uh, through our democratic period, we've had a government that has played, placed more attention to uh, human development than we are. The core of our investment uh, program is, is, is truly um, designed to provide well-being, to ensure there are opportunities for Panamanians, to promote education, to infrastructure that directly touches the well-being of uh, Panamanians. And I am sure that we will continue throughout this five-year term to, to see important improvements on those indicators the way we have seen in the past years. But I think there are great perspectives for, for Panama to, to close a chapter and, and to ensure that this possibilities that we have economically really reach 
all Panamanians. It's a trend that we've seen if you, if you look at the, the human development reports and the, and the poverty indicators for the past 10, 15 years, you will see that trend of diminish, diminishing of the poverty and diminishing of inequality. And I think we will just see uh, in the next couple of years that um, um, even faster than we've seen it uh, in the past. I'm going to take three more questions, two from the back, because I neglected you the first round, so. Yes? Yeah. Hi. Thank you. Hi. Um, I wanted to follow up on that question. I wanted to ask you specifically ab about the inequality that we see in Panama between what happens in the city, in Panama City, and in the interior, and especially with the comarcas and with the indigenous um, population. You have a very strong indigenous population, uh, but at the same time, people from indigenous background are 90% below the poverty line. And I don't think that other um, other presidents, other administrations have done much about it uh, in terms of the relationship with the, with the indigenous comarcas. And I wanted to ask you your opinion and what do you think should be done forward in that sense. Thank you. Okay, I'm going to take two more questions and reminder to let us know your name briefly and your affiliation. Um, here in the front, please. Gentleman in blue. Hi, uh, Felipe Chandi, I'm a student here at LSE. Um, uh, sort of shifting gears a bit, um, entrepreneurship and innovation has taken the world by storm. And as a Panamanian citizen, I plan to take advantage of the opportunities that Panama uh, gives in this regard. Uh, would you share with the audience why would Panama be a good place to base your business, not as a multinational company, but maybe as a startup or as an innovation hub, and uh, sort of what opportunities are there for? Very for good us. question. Um, and one more from the back. Yes. Uh, good morning. My name is Nelson Gutierrez. Uh, I've been following the latest uh, recent reports on Panama developing its own exchange of information standard. I would like to know uh, any comment on that. I know it's, it's still developing, but how is, how is that going to work or how are we, how we, develop, how are we developing it? And if it's taken into consideration the participation of the private sector and uh, all the stakeholders. Thank you very much. I'm going to close the questions for the time being, and I'm going to let Madam Vice President to answer these questions. Please go ahead. Thank you. Um, regarding the comarcas and the differences that we have in Panama, and it's true, we have, I could say, three, three Panamas, the city, which has one story regarding development. We have uh, uh, rural Panama and we have indigenous Panama. Um, with the indigenous groups, we are doing massive investments in the Comarca and we actually have an approach that I think will, will, will have dramatic uh, results pretty soon. Uh, one of the issues is the, the school system in the Comarca. So you might be aware that indigenous groups in Panama are very, very um, widespread in the area, and that makes it, makes it complicated for investment. And there are uh, a lot of um, lacking, we are lacking infrastructure in terms of schooling in the Comarcas. Uh, the approach we are taking, and this is the first time, and I, and I am sure that it will show dramatic um, results, is we are, instead of going to uh, work on the infrastructure one by one, we're doing massive bids 
for a, pre, for a whole region, and we actually just uh, finalized a, a public bid to, to work on infrastructures for, I think it's like 40 schools in one, in one area of the Comarca. So the approach to go about the investment, we've changed, understanding that it, it's been very slow before. And we're also working with all indigenous groups to have a development plan with them to design with them what it is that they prioritize for their development and, and, and having a participatory approach to the definition of our, of our investment and of the budget. I'm sure that the decentralization program will also have an effect on the Comarcas. Panama has just passed, um, initiated this year, this January 1st, our process of decentralization, a law that had been um, been worked on for a long time, but there had been political resistance because that takes away uh, control from the central government and, and gives money and possibilities to the local communities, to the local authorities. And uh, I, I am sure that that will also play a key role in the development of the, of the, of the rural sector and of the um, comarcas. In terms of um, entrepreneurship opportunities, our, our middle class is growing so fast. Our consumption uh, uh, habits are being affected and the, and the population uh, with possibilities of uh, uh, purchasing power is, is growing dramatically. So you have the market, not only the Panamanian market, which is a small market, but you have the connectivity to make your market really the region. But furthermore, I think the legal framework and the, the easy access to financing uh, would really uh, make it ideal for for anybody that's interested to start uh, small and medium uh, enterprises in in Panama. I am sure you know that, uh, and uh, and I'm sure you'll go back after finishing in LSE to try for yourself and then tell the story. Um, exchange of information um, standard. Yes, what the measures we've taken and the president announced last year at the General Assembly of the UN that Panama will adhere to the automatic exchange of information standard. Yes, that has been decided with the private sector. It was a long discussion. Uh, our, as I mentioned, our financial center is, is, is central to our economy, and, and we take it very seriously. And our approach as a government is to work in consultation with different sectors. And um, we believe we the, that was the right thing to do. However, we uh, we are doing it on our terms, ensuring that we can uh, guarantee to, to our clients the confidentiality that's necessary. We are all for uh, exchange of information for tax purposes. We are not for exchange of information that affects the, and, and puts at risks uh, our clients. So we're doing it on a bilateral basis, case by case, ensuring that uh, both um, uh, countries that enter into agreement, and we have, we have uh, agreements with about 30 countries, and we're negotiating some, some others, uh, that both countries have, have the same standards, and that the, the procedures adopted to, uh, to, to ensure the exchange of information are, are practical and, and, not, and not, uh, do not place too big of a burden on our, on our system. Thank you. I'm going to take more questions from the audience one in the back, please.
Hello, um, my name is Plinio Ruiz. I am also a student here at the LSE. And I would like to know, sort of like recently, you have, we have seen in Panama a wave of migrants coming from uh, Colombia, Venezuela. And how do you feel these migrants play in the, the democracy or in growth of human development of Panama? And not only from, this, uh, from developing countries, but also from countries that are like third world countries, <laughs> considered third world countries. So because we have also the, um, the Americans, Canadians, uh, who are considered more experts and which invest in Panama, but also how do people from Colombia or this regional, more like close countries play in a role of growth? Very good question, Mr. Ruiz. Uh, Robert? Thank you, Alvaro. Um, I'm Robert Suter from Dialogo Chino. It's a website that looks at China's relationship with Latin America. Uh, I won't uh, go return to Alvaro's question, which uh, you, you think I might want to, but uh, I would like to ask, um, we've seen comparatively little Chinese investment in Central American countries compared to uh, the broader Latin America region. I wonder if you could uh, expand on why you think this is and if you think uh, that the governance environment in Panama in particular is uh, a factor. Thank you. Right, I'll take one more. If there is one more. Put it down there. No? Okay. Uh, the question of, uh, of migrants. Let me tell you a little bit of what it is that, that's happening what types of migrants we have, and, and it's clearly a, a situation of concern to, to the region. Um, historically, we, we've had migration from Central America to the United States, not, not from Panama. Historically, Panamanians like to remain in Panama, and we're not a country of migrants. Um, but for the past, I would say, maybe definitely over five years, maybe a little bit more than that, 10, I don't know. There's been an important increase of migrants from other parts of the world and from outside of the continent to go to the United States. So the migration in general that we are seeing uh, go through Central America is not migration to stay in Central America and not migration to stay in Panama. And that is separate from migration to Panama, and I'll refer to, the, to that uh, uh, later on. But uh, it's migration coming through Panama and through Central America to go to the United States. And we have a large influx of Cubans. You must have heard this in the, in the news. And we have an increasing number of Africans that are flying to Ecuador and from there on taking their... their course to, to the United States. We believe um, in the rights of people to migrate. We believe in the importance of respecting their human rights and of protecting them. It's, they expose their lives through these uh, courses. And, and what we're doing in Panama for, for these large numbers of people that are coming through Panama and not staying in Panama is we take care of them, we, we uh, uh, provide them health services, and we let them go on with their, with their journey. That is um, uh, different from migration to Panama. We have important uh, migration in, in Panama from other Central American countries, and uh, we are very um, 
in favor of, of uh, ensuring that this migration is in order and it's uh, well accounted for and that is legalized and that is what we've, what we've done. Uh, we have a, a large um, migration uh, population, particularly from Colombia and, and, and Nicaragua, but that really doesn't, doesn't present uh, problems for, for Panama. We've traditionally been a country of, of migrants. We've, we've been welcome migrants. What we're more concerned about is people going through Panama on their journey to the United States because it's increasing the number and it's people that are exposing their lives and that and we even have women and children going through. And uh, it's something that we think the world need to take, needs to take a look at the way the world needs to take a look at migrants coming to Europe. And uh, I believe that there is a, a situation uh, uh, in Africa, in, in the Middle East, that, that is not a situation of Africa or of the Middle East. That is something that the world needs to look at, the world needs to, to, to take care of as well. And I think there is a, there is a, a need for a global approach to the, to the crisis uh, of migrants and there is a need to, uh, for a global approach to um, taking care of, 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 these, of these human beings that expose our lives and, and try to, to find a better, a better future for, for them and their families. Very good. <coughs> and, the, and the question on, on China. Um, um, Panama has a, a commercial, important commercial relationship with China. China is an important client of uh, the canal. Uh, you're right, uh, the investment, I think it's, it's not uh, as large in Central America as, as some other countries in, in the Americas. I don't have the answer um, for that. Uh, perhaps we will see that change in the near future. I'm not sure if it has to do with, with governance, I don't think, as, as, as some other, some other uh, issues. What I've seen is, is um, China investing in very large projects, and perhaps that has to do uh, with it, uh, larger countries instead of uh, smaller, smaller countries. But um, we'll be happy to see that uh, change and have more investment from China in, in the area and in Panama. Very good. Um, take more questions. We have chance for another round of questions. Um, I have my own as well, but go ahead, please. Uh, hi, my name is Emmanuel May. I'm from a shipping website for Container Mag. Uh, it's a question about the canal. So, when it, uh, the expansion opens this year, um, it still won't have the capacity to to deal with the largest kind of class of vessels. So I'm just wondering whether you've got any plans for a further expansion at any point? And uh, sorry? A further expansion at any mm -hmm. point? And mm -hmm. if so, when would that be? Okay. Thank you. Any more questions in the back? Yes, please, gentlemen. Yes. Hi, uh, my name is Prem. Uh, the LSE brigade team, along with his volunteers, visiting Panama in June, especially to help the pregnant women who are affected by the Zika virus. So what is the steps that the government is taking right now to help them? Thank you very much. And one more here in the front, please, again. Uh, 
Yes, hi, Derrida from Bain & Company. Um, would like to get your perspective from your previous career where you were in international development for many years. Now that you're on the other side of the table, what do you think the key step changes are that international development organizations and Europe and the U.S. could do to help Panama and other countries in the region achieve a faster step change uh, in their development? Is it both on the financial side and on the knowledge side, um, would like to hear your perspectives. Thank you. Very good question and very relevant to all of our students. A lot of us study development, as you know, and, and it would be interesting to see, adding to that question, how do you transfer all the skills that you have in development and put them in, into practice in politics? It's imagine a challenge. Um, thank you. Thank you for your questions. Um, when are we inaugurating the canal? It'll probably June. We are about to say, set a date. It's um, 97% completion, the, the, the works, so it will be soon. We've actually begun studies about a new expansion. We are sure that the expansion that we're working on right now will be more than necessary to commerce in the world for the, for the following years, uh, but we understand that uh, it's constantly changing and we're already initiating um, studies and Fortunately enough, the canal has a, has a capacity in terms of, uh, of um, technical capacity and in terms of financial capacity to, to undergo uh, um, future changes if it needs to be. But for now, I, I think we'll, be, we'll have more than enough with, with what the expanded canal will, will offer. Regarding Sika, we are, we are concerned about what's happening in the region. Uh, fortunately, I, I should say that we believe Panama is, is, is very well prepared. Actually, we're even cooperating with the Center for Disease Control in Atlanta because we, as a, as a, as a country, uh, a tropical country exposed to this and other um, uh, situations for a long time, we, we've, we have quite a good approach from our health ministry to control these diseases. We, we've, been, we've been very effective in the past in controlling these kinds of diseases and we have a, 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 some knowledge in the area and uh, we are working hard in controlling the situation in, in Panama, which is, which is pretty much under control and we're also cooperating with, with uh, some of our our neighbors, uh, in order to 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 work on preventing the the epidemic, that it's it really worries us. And but in Panama, uh, um, we're pretty we're pretty safe, and and we are we've taken the measures, the necessary measures, to protect uh, our population. Um, international organizations, knowledge or finance, depends on the country. Uh, in the case of Panama, I would say more knowledge than finance. Um, that's the way we're working currently with international organizations, with the UN, with CAF, with IDB. Uh, we're still, of course, working on, on, on finance as well. But the sharing of knowledge uh, is very important. It's very important from international organizations to the developing world. It's very important from country to country, we, we believe. Um, I think there is a lot of experience on, on many things that, that the world in general hasn't, hasn't learned enough to package and share. 
I was actually on Monday in Geneva for the opening of the Human Rights Council, and I had the opportunity of uh, of participating in a in a conversation with uh, with the Secretary General and the President of the General Assembly, and we were just talking um, about that and and talking about the experience that Panama has had with consensus building and with dialogue, and and they were mentioning how can we make this practice available to Nepal, someone said, or to, there are so many parts of the world where this approach could be of service and could be of use. And, and I am sure that we will find that in so many places, perhaps countries that had the situation of, of education that Panama has right now, where we have a lot still to do, and we're able to do it in a short period of time. And we're able to do it in a short period of time because of our particular approach and, and and I think the world needs to learn better how to share that knowledge if we wish to push development at, at a higher pace than we have for the past in the past and I think international organizations have a have a have a real opportunity and a, and a, and a critical possibility of doing that and and some is being done but I think a lot more um, needs to be done. <coughs> Working on development on, from a technical background and then having the possibility of uh, being part of the government and, and, and participating of decisions and, and, and making uh, things happen, I think we have a big problem with the way government institutions work. And I mean we, not Panama. I mean we the world. I think reform, and we've talked about reform forever. International organizations have as much research as can be done <laughs> in terms of reform. I don't think we need more research. Uh, we need to do it. I don't have the response. But once you try to do things, it, it's just a lot harder um, than you think it is. And it's a lot harder because our institutions are weak. And, and our processes in terms of uh, institutional processes do not work as well. And um, that is something we need to, we need to work on, uh, how, how, to, how to make things happen faster. We don't want to overcome poverty and inequality at the same rate that we, ha that we have been. We, we, need, we really have, I think the world has the resources to get people out of poverty faster than we are doing it. And uh, I hope we'll get there pretty soon. I would love to, to, to stay longer for this conversation, which is very exciting, of course, and very important to us. Um, exciting times for Panama, of course. The Democracy, Democracy Index has uh, ranked Panama in a much better place and as an example for the region as well, which we share a lot of the problems as well in Latin America in general without making comparisons, but that's the truth. But it's been, it's been a pleasure uh, for everyone here for me personally, as a Latin American, to listen to you, Madam Vice President, and, and thank you so much for your visit. For, for very grateful that you took time from your busy schedule to be with us today, and we want to thank you for being here with us today. Thank you. Thank you. Can, I please, can I please remind everyone to stay seated? I'm